You're listening to the Femcast Podcast, the podcast for women who are truly ready to drop the paralyzing perfectionism and self-doubt and just live their best hot mess life. Let's do this. This podcast is listener discretion advised for mature content and coarse language. Whatever. Hey, you guys, what is up? And welcome back to the Femcast. I am so, so excited and grateful that you're here. And I am so excited to share with you the topic of this week's episode. I wanted to talk to you about my almost never ending cycle of a hot mess, toxic relationships, and how I would repeatedly date pretty much any douchebag I would cross passwords for the longest time. Nice guys, meh, not so much, not for me. (laughs) Put a douchebag in my path and I would be head over heels in love and gasping for breath within minutes of coming into eye contact with him. In fact, the the douchier they were, the more I would end up falling in love with them until I was literally, literally scraping the bottom of the barrel, shamelessly. That is until I finally took a very long, very long and much needed relationship hiatus, which you're going to hear me refer to constantly as my douchebag detox era. This was pivotal for me in terms of healing, in terms of my personal growth, in terms of my transformation, and in terms of really learning to radically love and accept myself, which was really the key to attracting more loving and healthy relationships, which I am going to be talking about so much in the coming episodes. Um, But before we get into that, let me just let me just preface all that by talking about who I was before. Okay, so I mean, in a nutshell, From the outside looking in, you know, people often thought I was so abundantly confident. Um, But honestly, I was anything but. I was extremely insecure about myself and who I was and what I looked like. I hated my body. I thought it was pear-shaped. I thought my thighs were huge. Um, I hated my hair. It had this curly, frizzy kink happening to it that I constantly had to, like, iron out and flatten out in order for it to look, like, half-decent. Um, I hated my nose. I thought it was big and crooked and just this, oh. I saw it as this monstrosity on my face. Um, I hated my eyes, even though, like, it, it's honestly, like, if you anyone who knows me will tell you it's one of the prettiest features I have. Um, but for me, all I saw was the, the dark circles under my eyes. I, ha- I kind of had the um, the Tula Porticala syndrome in Big Fat Greek Wedding with the dark circles under her eyes. And I was always so self-conscious about my dark circles, right? Um, I didn't look like any of the, much like Tula Porticala said, I didn't look any other girls in school at all. Um, my background is Greek, so I have a very Greek sort of characteristic, um, characteristics to my face. Um, and I just felt so awkward in every way. Like, I just didn't look like any of the other girls in school. Um, I had these, like, crazy enlarged pores and acne breakouts when I was, like, in my teens. Like, just awkwardness. Like, just sheer awkwardness is, is is the best way to really describe it. Um, 
And I felt like that for the longest time. And that feeling, even though, you know, my look evolved and, and my, my, um, who I was as a human being evolved so much over time, I still felt awkward. Like that feeling just kind of stayed with me, you know, it never really went away. It was kind of there and I kind of learned to live with it. And sorry, I'm getting notifications as we're doing this. So I'm trying to shut them off. And so, you know, it didn't matter what changed um, in my external world, whether it was the way I looked, what I did, um, my my skills, my abilities, my knowledge, my 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 who I was as a person. Right? None of that mattered. The awkwardness stayed. Um, and so I was really insecure about what I look like constantly. I would compare myself constantly to everyone else around me. And this was kind of like my temperature check to kind of, you know, measure um, how likable, like my likability, you know, is how I measured up against everyone else. Um, but even deeper than all of that, right, is was this deep fear of what everyone else was saying and thinking about me, especially behind my back. I was terrified of people talking bad about me, thinking badly of me, being upset with me, gossiping about me, um, you know, saying one thing to my face and then, you know, saying something totally different behind my back. This was a real fear for me, even though I had no evidence most of the time of where this fear was coming from or any facts to kind of back up the moments when I felt fearful. But it was really there and it was kind of the undertone to a lot of my decision making, how I showed up in the world, what I did, what I didn't do, the decisions that I made, what I said, what I didn't say. All these things were kind of really governed by the fear of whatever, how everyone else would think or respond to what I was putting out into the world. Um, so in short, <laughs> I was a people pleaser um, to the core. And, and, you know, when a person who is a people pleaser believes that the people around them aren't pleased, that they're judging, laughing, mocking, or God forbid, abandoning, rejecting, or replacing you, it's literally your worst nightmare come true. Hands up if you're a people pleaser and you get this, because I know I do. Um, it is very real. And and it feel you can feel the fear viscerally when it comes up, when you're triggered by that, you know. Um, and so whenever I had the slightest inkling that people were rejecting me or abandoning me, I would automatically assume it was because I was not good enough. So I would try even harder to please. I would be try to be prettier. I would be nicer. I would be more accommodating. I would be more tolerant and accepting of other people's bad behavior. I even even to to, to go as far as to justify it and and to almost cater to it. You know, um, I would be whoever they wanted me to be and say whatever it was that they wanted me to say in order for them to love and stay with me. And without ever, not ever once questioning, is this person even good enough for me? Like, do I even want this person in my life? Is this somebody that I want to have a relationship with? And we're talking about personal relationships right now, right? But this can apply to any kind of relationship, obviously. Um, I was, but yeah, but so I, that question never even occurred to me. You know, I was always so busy and so focused and so worried as to whether or not they would think I was good enough for them. 
And I would do everything and anything in my power to make sure that I tried to convince them that, that, or tried to make them believe that I was good enough. Um, and I thought, you know, when, when, when push came to shove and something went down and I suddenly, you know, either the relationship ended or they ghosted or, or they started seeing someone else or whatever the story was, you know, I immediately defaulted to what did I do wrong? And, you know, I thought if I could just change or fix the things that were wrong with me, quote, uh, use air quotes, um, that they would love me and all my problems would just go away. <laughs> oh, so sad. I love her. I love her so much, but she really went through a lot of pain um, trying to learn the lessons of these moments that these moments were trying to teach her. Like, God love her, like young Maria, but man, oh, you could have saved yourself so much pain. Um, so needless to say, you know, that theory of trying to fix the thing that was wrong with me was horribly wrong. <laughs> and, um, you know, as a result, I was – this is what was perpetuating that never-ending cycle of toxic relationships, relationships where I was being lied to, cheated on, gaslighted, manipulated, abused emotionally, mentally, um, where my needs, wants, desires, you know, really didn't meet – weren't worth a damn, really, in the relationship – um, relationships where I was constantly being put down and treated like I was less than, where I was being treated like an option, a friends with benefits, someone to pass the time with until they found the woman that they actually wanted to be with, um, where I was literally be being given breadcrumbs, like the slightest inkling of love and affection, just enough to keep me coming back again and again and again, you know, and where I was giving way more way more than I was ever receiving in return. And it was, it was so painful. It was such a painful process. And it was so funny because as I went through this pattern of, you know, being cheated on, where my needs weren't met, where I was constantly giving more than I was receiving, where I was, you know, being treated as the friends with benefits or whatever that was going on, you know, in those relationships, every time it would fall apart, I would resort more to being nicer, being kinder, being more tolerating, being more accepting, being, you know, brushing things under the rug that I knew were hurtful to me and saying nothing about it and pretending that I was happy about it just so I could be the girl that they wanted to be with. And it, it just, it, the whole cycle became more and more painful as each year and each relationship passed. Like each one was worse than the last. To the point where, you know, I can't even really put my finger on it. Um, actually, I think I can. It was, it was, oh, I can still remember it. I was in the car on my way to my parents' house and I had just broken up. I wouldn't even call it a breakup. We just had a massive fallout um, where I was just treated horribly. And I didn't even, in that moment, I didn't even stand up for myself. The only thing I could muster the strength to do at that moment was to just walk away. So I walked away and I got in the car and I was on my way to my parents' house. And I just let out this scream of rage. I was so angry. Years and years, like decades worth of being stepped on and walked all over just came out of me in that moment. And 
I just roared in the car and thank God no one was around and no one could hear me. But I let all that anger, all that frustration, all that hurt, all that pain out of me in that moment. And I remember saying to myself that, you know, I realized that in order, I, I just wasn't available for this shit anymore. Like that, that's it. I was done. That was a straw that broke the camel's back. I was not having this anymore. I knew something needed to change. I knew something needed to give. And somewhere in that ride home, something dawned on me. Some sort of angel came down from heaven and spoke to me in my intuition and said, you know, in order to receive more, you have to decide that you're no longer available for everything that you've been settling to up until this point. You know, and I was settling so much in these relationships. And not only was I settling, but I was settling and I was trying to please the people I was settling with because I was so terrified of losing them because somewhere in the back of my mind, I didn't actually believe I could do better. I I had to believe that I could do better. I had to believe that I was worthy of receiving it, receiving better receiving what it was that I wanted to receive and what my heart was longing for. And I knew I needed to shift that. And that's where I guess, you know, that's where the breakdown was happening. In that moment, I guess I finally realized that, you know, I could keep dating one guy to the next to the next, and they'll just keep getting worse. And, and, and then the last guy, you know, until I fix this thing that's going on inside of me, this this audio that's playing over and over again that says, I don't deserve better than this. You know, and I have to keep trying and fixing and correcting and modifying myself to appease these douchebags that I keep going out with because God forbid I lose another one and I can't pick up the pieces because I'm so broken, right? And it's so funny, the worse the relationship, I gotta tell you, Worse the relationship, the more painful it was in the end. And I think it was because, God, if I can't make a douchebag like that love me, then I must really suck, you know? Um, I mean, honest to God, like, it was just such a learning experience. And, you know, to this day, like, I listen to Ariana Grande. I think I think it's her song. I'm pretty sure it's her song. God help me if I'm wrong. Um, thank you, next. And it's just like, honest to God, like, thank you for all the douchebags. So, you know, this, this whole thing isn't to like, you know, um, throw shade or to, you know, put these guys down. It's really to just acknowledge, you know, what these guys were really trying to do for me. And what they were trying to do for me is actually show me all the ways that I was self-rejecting and self-abandoning and not treating myself as someone who was worthy of receiving more, who was worthy of holding out for more and expecting more and actually receiving it, right? And so they played a really important part in my story. Um, as much as I hated when I was going through it, right? And that's the beauty of these things. Oftentimes we don't see it when we're in it, but when we come out the other side, we're like, okay, I see, <laughs> Ah, salmon skin roll. I get it now. You know, like, okay, this is what this whole thing was trying to teach me. But in the moment, you know, obviously, it's shit. <laughs> so if you're there, my heart goes out to you. I love you. But ask yourself, what is this moment trying to teach you, right? And if you're in this pattern, what's repeating itself over and over again? And what is it trying to show you and teach you? So, you know, after that moment and that 
mental breakdown where I roared at the top of my lungs in my car on the way to my parents' house. Um, I went on a seven-year relationship hiatus. So this is what I refer to as my douchebag detox era. In this period, I went into the patterns that I was experiencing. I went into all the fears. I went into all the pain that I was so desperately trying to avoid. And I'm telling you, I went in deep. Like I looked at the shit that was really uncomfortable to look at. I felt the stuff that was really uncomfortable to feel. And oftentimes we're running to these relationships and we're trying to fix them and we're trying to like appease them and make sure that they don't abandon us. There is something in ourselves that we are abandoning. And then it's our, it becomes our responsibility to then go in and see, okay, what is it that I'm abandoning or ignoring within myself? And those are often the most painful wounds because we create these convenient distractions to keep us from really looking at it. So I went deep into whatever it was that I was avoiding. And there were so many things in there from, you know, early childhood trauma to relationships with friendships, with teachers, with bosses, with coworkers. Like there were so many family dynamics that, you know, you could see in my family for generations that were repeating themselves into my relationships again and again and again. And you know, having to take a really good, long, uncomfortable look at all of that shit, right? Really cleaning up my side of the fence, right? Um, I looked at and reframed a lot of the beliefs that were creating the experiences I was having up until this point. Um, and I do apologize. There is a car in the background right now, and it's making a whole lot of noise. I'm just going to pause the video for a sec. Sorry, did I say video? I meant audio. <laughs> pause the audio. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I had to go back and reframe the beliefs that were creating the experiences that I was having again and again and again. And I had to really do the work in learning how to love and accept myself as I was. And that was really the hard work of this period, right? Because when you can sit with yourself in long periods of time and you can look at all the things about you that you might be uncomfortable with or that you might try to hide from other people or that you hold shame around or that, you know, the unhealed pain that you're holding on to, the fears and limiting beliefs. When you can actually spend time with each and every one of those and get to know each and every one of those parts of you on an intimate basis, you know, only then can you really say that you truly love and accept yourself, you know? There's so much thought out there about what radical self-love is. And, you know, though people will tell you, go get a manicure and a massage and buy yourself some flowers. Okay, great. Yeah, those things are lovely. And I strongly encourage women to do those things for themselves. You know, if you have the means to do them, by all means, do it. Um, But it goes so much deeper than that. You know, it really is about getting to know yourself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and really accepting yourself as you are and no longer trying to fix or change anything about you. Now, that's not to say that we don't have our own growth and healing to do. Of course we do. Of course we have things we need to heal. This whole seven-year period for me was about healing and transformation. But in order to experience that healing and transformation, I first had to accept what was. Right. And that's the real important thing. You know, you can't be waiting for this alternate version of yourself to show up before you feel happy with yourself. You really have to learn to love yourself as you are, even if it is a hot fucking mess. And trust me when I tell you, I was a hot fucking mess in year one of this relationship hiatus. Okay. And probably right up until years six and seven, there was still a lot of hot mess to be clean. Even now that I'm kind of out of it and, you know, I'm kind of getting back into the world again of, you know, relationships and, and, 
you know, having, like, more intimate interactions with people, there's still some, like, residual hot mess to, like, go through, you know? It's never just, like, a switch on and off again and then back on, you know? Like, there's an adjustment period, and man, am I going through it at this point. But this is everything that I've kind of learned in that period, right? Um... So I spent a lot of time alone with myself and I lead, I needed to learn how to be my own best company. You know, until you can really fully spend time with yourself, no one's going to want to spend time with you. Why would anybody spend time with you if you can't even stand spending time with you? You know what I mean? Um, I had to really get to know myself inside out, the feelings, the likes, the dislikes, the wants, the needs, the desires, the fears, beyond what the people pleasing told me I should want or desire, or fear or like or dislike. You know, and this is one of the things that being a people pleaser can really mess you up with is it really plays with the directional arrow of your life because you get so accustomed to making decisions according to what will please everyone else. You forget who you are in the equation and what you want and desire and like and don't like, you know, so it becomes a real period of discovery trying to learn all these things about yourself. I got to you know, to see the value that I bring in relationships. And, you know, what are those sides of my personality that anyone would be blessed to by having in their life, you know? Um, and I also got to see, love, and accept all the parts of my personality that were not so great that I bring to the table, you know, and, and, and learn to be mindful and work with those in a very healthy way. And so with, you know, the, the reason why I, I say all of this, okay, is because for the next five episodes after this one, I'm going to be going through a series, mini series called the Douchebag Diaries. This is my, this is a, a, a hardcore peek into my douchebag era and my journey back to radical self love. The series is devoted to sharing the stories of my top five douchebags that I had the privilege of dating and learning a hot mess steaming pile of lessons from in my hot mess romantic lifetime. All the names, dates, locations have been changed to protect the not so innocent. And each of these said douchebags has helped me to make a life changing mindset shift. And more importantly, each one of them has taught me a very, very powerful lesson about radical self-love. So stay tuned for douchebag number five coming tomorrow. The one about the guy who would always trash talk, put down and bully women. It is all happening here on the Femcast. If you've dated a douchebag, I want to know about it. If you've got a question that you want me to answer, or if there's anything else that you're struggling with, curious about, or just dying to know, please email me at maria at femcoach.com. Who knows? You just might inspire the next episode of the Femcast. And if you love this episode and this series, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're seeing this. Until next time massive love.